This is Howard Anderson, News Editor at Information Security Media Group, and today we're talking with Dr. Farzad Mastashari, National Coordinator of Health IT. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Mastashari. Nice to be here. In your speech here, your keynote speech at HIMSS, you emphasize the need to ramp up exchange of patient information yes. to uh, improve the quality of care. Uh, I know your office is preparing to introduce voluntary guidelines for health information exchange. Uh, what do you see as the most critical steps that need to be taken to ensure patient information remains secure and private when it's exchanged? Well, the, it starts with the standards, having standards that have privacy and security built into them, baked into them. So making sure that information is always encrypted uh, as it flows, uh, um, but also that there's authentication. So we know who's on either end. We have an assurance that the person sending the information is from the organization that they say they are from, and that that organization is following appropriate policies um, under their HIPAA and other obligations. Uh, the second part is making sure that, again, that as we develop the technology, for example, one of the, uh, the main issues that uh, we grappled with and the industry grappled with was uh, not including any patient information in the header so that the organization that's routing the information need not know the identity of the person that uh, the information pertains to. Uh, that's also very important. And making sure that those data intermediaries that are providing this data exchange function also are bound by um, the same kinds of requirements. The omnibus HIPAA rule that got released actually was a major improvement and step forward in articulating and clarifying that business associates indeed and the chain of business associates all are bound by um, HIPAA privacy and security like protections. That's an important step, but there's more, I think, uh, that, uh, that could be done to clarify those requirements. So when will the first batch of voluntary guidelines come out? Is that the spring? Or? Uh, I hope so. Can you explain a bit how your current plan for issuing voluntary guidelines is different from the earlier plan for voluntary guidelines within the nationwide health information governance rule? What's, what's new about this approach? What makes it more appropriate? What we heard was that when we, we, we provided a framework in our request for information for nationwide governance that said these are some conditions for trusted exchange. These are conditions for privacy and security. These are conditions on the technology and interoperability side and conditions on business practices. And what we heard loud and clear from nearly every respondent was that the field is just now emerging and that uh, taking a regulatory action or even saying that we would take a regulatory action would freeze all development in the market as um, uh, people stop and wait to see what the regulations say they have to do. And that there were promising emerging, uh, more nimble potentially, public-private governance activities like the, the scalable trust, direct trust uh, activities, uh, like the uh, e-health exchange, formerly Newhan exchange that we uh, uh, made uh, public-private that uh, could uh, carry the load on, uh, in a more nimble way, coming up with consensus-based uh, uh, guidelines and rules of the road. And we said, okay, we'll try it, but we're not going to sit back and, and do nothing, right? The fact that we're not regulating doesn't mean <laughs> that uh, we're not pushing governance and trust uh, pretty hard. And we said that there would be a few things that we would do. Uh, we would continue to express um, the recommendations from the federal government uh, that we've received and processed through the Health IT Policy Committee and the Privacy and Security Tiger Teams. We heard testimony from the governance entities that they want us to tell them what we think is the right thing to do. 
Uh, and we're going to do that. We're going to tell them, uh, based on all the considered recommendations from the Policy Committee and the Privacy and Security Tiger Teams and all the hearing sessions we've done and all the listening sessions we're doing, uh, what, uh, what we think is the right thing to do at this time. We're going to be able to designate one or more of those emerging governance uh, entities as being ones that we work with so that others can say, oh, this is an ONC-connected uh, uh, governance activity and give them more confidence that what this governance entity is doing is in conformant to where what we think should be done on the federal level. I think that will help them spread. Uh, and we're also creating a forum uh, through the National eHealth Collaborative where different entities involved in governance can come together and, and again, have more uh, broad-range discussions, not just about where we are today with governance, but where we need to be in the future. At some point, would you consider enacting mandatory rules for health information exchange, especially for organizations receiving federal funding? At what point might that be appropriate? I think we're going to have to wait and see. Obviously, if the, this approach doesn't work in terms of fostering exchange of information across vendor and organizational boundaries, then we'll have to look at other options. Now, you've announced this week uh, a new RFI and interoperability is coming soon. Can you explain the purpose it, it of that? It just came, yeah. Uh, it, it came out yesterday, and what it says is, in wanting to express uh, unambiguously our policy intent, that not only do we need the standards um, in place and the governance uh, uh, agreements and rules of the road in place, there also needs to be a business case for health information exchange and interoperability. It's got to be more profitable to share data than to hoard it. And we're, we're intent on making sure that we use all payment and policy levers as appropriate to make sure that people actually find it profitable to share information. Readmission adjustments are have really moved the market on this. Bundled payments are, are having an effect. ACOs are having an effect. But we want to do more. And what the RFI says is, A, we're committed to this, and B, we want to know what else could we do to remove any perverse incentives that hinder information sharing to benefit the patient. Could that include perverse incentives on privacy and security that, are, that don't accomplish what you want? But how, does it touch on those issues? Well, it, it doesn't touch. You know, it's more on the on on the payment and, and other regulatory policy side. It, it, we, I frankly, I mean, we would obviously it's a request for information. We would receive any information people choose to submit to us. My personal feeling about the matter is that privacy and security is not a barrier to the the the, the secure exchange of information conforming to patient expectations. And in fact, we must adhere to the the, the patient's uh, expectations. Without that, I think the trust that people need in information exchange will be lost. So um, later this month, you're going to be announcing four contracts tied to um, taking on exchange governance challenges. Uh, what are those contractors going to be working on? Yeah. So that's what I was referring to when right. I said that we're going to be establishing linkages and conformal connections with one or more. It's up to four, but one or more, depending on you know, how many we got and the state of readiness of the industry. We may do other cycles of grant um, contracting as well in the future. But what these are is that we, we said that, uh, okay, there are these emerging governance entities and we want to uh, establish a formal connection to one or more of them where they can benefit from our um, perspective and we can also remain engaged and learn from what they're doing and uh, be able to um, observe closely whether the voluntary governance entities are going to work as we hope they will. What role will the direct uh, project uh play with information exchange in stage two of meaningful use. Is that going to play a huge role? Huge role. Huge role. 
it will be the the ubiquitously available transport protocol. Every electronic health record is going to be able to, and going to have to be able to uh, catch and throw according to the direct protocols. So this creates an ecosystem where if I'm someone outside of the healthcare of the the, the ambit of meaningful use, if I'm a long-term care facility, for example, if I'm a behavioral health provider, if I'm a home health provider, if I'm a public health department, um, the one big question mark, one big question mark that I have always had of how do I exchange information with all these different EHR vendors and I can't afford interfaces with 600 different interfaces goes away. The answer is use the direct protocols which are ubiquitously available and secure. Uh, to make that really uh, sing, though, we need to establish these um, uh, what are called trust bundles of certificates, and that's some of the work that these governance entities are going to uh, help lead. So will direct play a long-term role, or will Absolutely. it be replaced by something else? Absolutely. I think that we're going to need uh, all the tools in the toolbox and different combinations of them to get accomplished what we need to do. One of the things that was really interesting to me was seeing the work of the Abbey Project. You may not know about this. It's called the Automate Blue Button Initiative. And which has now been uh, uh, rolled out as Blue Button Plus, which says Blue Button was download your data, however it is. Blue Button Plus is uh, you can set it and forget it and uh, set a trigger, say this is where I want my records sent, and they will use the direct protocols to anytime there's an update to the record to push a copy of the, of the record to your designated recipient or repository. They use the direct protocols, right? So there are certain use cases, certain jobs for which it's the right tool. There are other jobs for which it's not the right tool, and people are going to need to, we're going to look for other tools to meet those needs, like query if someone has unplanned care. But for planned care purposes, for pushing information, for having referrals and discharge summaries and public health reporting, it's really the right tool for the job. Well, thank you very much for joining us today.